may be seated. I thanks Neil and Justice for leading us in worship this morning. We're grateful. And, uh, you know, in a moment, we're going to be taking communion together where we remember the Lord's death. But before we get to that, let me just take a moment to say, boy, happy 4th of July weekend. I, I hope that this is a weekend that you spend with your family, possibly grilling out, eating good food, probably eating too much food. Maybe you uh, watched the fireworks last night. And, and just enjoying each other, the freedoms that we have, the freedom of religion, the freedom to speak our minds, we, we celebrate that. You know, there's a story of a young soldier named Nathan Hale, and, and Nathan was a spy for the Confederate Army, or Continental Army, excuse me, and he was captured by the, uh, by the British. He was considered a hero of the Revolutionary War, fighting for our freedoms. And, and after his capture, he was sentenced to death and executed by the British. And, and before his execution, they wrote down his final words. And this is what Nathan had to say as his final words. He said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. You might be familiar with those words already or have heard them before. Last words are critical. Last words spoken are of extreme importance. They're, they're special. They're meaningful. They're, they're often motivational. We pay attention to somebody's last word spoken. Well, last week we started this series, this new series called Do Not Be Afraid in Isaiah. And, and today we're going to continue in that series as we look at some of the Apostle Paul's last words that he spoke. And, he's, and these words that he spoke were recorded in a letter, a letter that he wrote to a young man named Timothy. And so just imagine for a moment being a young Timothy and receiving these words from Paul, what would be his final words. I imagine that, that Timothy sat with this letter, possibly read it over again and over again. This would have been special to him. This would have been meaningful. These were words that would have been instructive, maybe even challenging to him. So uh, uh, let me set the gist of what's happening here a little bit. Uh, Paul wasn't a stranger to being in prison, but this time, this time he sits in prison, it's a little bit different because the persecution of Christians during this time period had ramped up. Things were to a boiling point like never before. And if you weren't careful, if you were too outspoken for Jesus, it was possible that you could be caught, thrown in prison, and even executed. Well, we know Paul. Paul had a big mouth. He was never quiet. He was very outspoken for Jesus. And only this time, though, He'd been caught for it. And he was in jail. He was awaiting execution that was just around the corner. And because of this, Paul, who led the church, knew he had to find somebody else to pass the baton to. He was no longer going to be able to lead the church. And so he had to look for someone that could take over this position. I mean, can you imagine? I'm not sure I would volunteer for that position. But Paul knew what he was looking for. Paul knew that the man that was going to take over the job of leading the church had to be a man with a certain set of characteristics. 
It had to be someone who, who was firm in their belief about Jesus. Someone who was unwavering in what they knew about the Lord. It had to be someone who was unashamed to, to openly follow Christ. It had to be someone who was unafraid to openly talk about their faith in Jesus to others. These were requirements that needed to be the person who would take over this leadership. Well, Paul knew his man. Paul knew his man was Timothy, was a much younger man than Paul. And what we know of Paul's letters to Timothy, we've learned a couple of things about Timothy. We know that Timothy was a man of tremendous faith. He truly had unwavering faith in Jesus. And we knew that Timothy had an unwavering integrity. His character, his integrity was, was stronger than anyone's. We know this about him. But we also learned something else from Paul. Paul knew that Timothy was young. Paul knew that Timothy was more the quiet type. Timothy was prone to intimidation. And I don't blame Timothy for being intimidated. I mean, all of us are intimidated by something. I'm intimidated by large crowds. You might be intimidated by public speaking. We all have something we're intimidated about. And tucked into this word intimidate is a littler word called timid. And that means that we shrink back, that we lack self-courage, that we lack self-confidence. And so here was Paul and his concern with passing the baton to this younger Timothy was that he knew these things about him. And so that's what led to Paul writing these words, his final words in the book of Timothy. He, 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 was, he was writing this not only to encourage Timothy, but ultimately, I hope it encourages us and every Christ follower who reads them. And these are Paul's words today. He says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You know, it's possible that you know this verse. You may have read it before. You may have seen it on a plaque. You might have gotten it on a graduation card. You might have even pulled up this verse during times of your own struggle, and you've leaned into its words, and that's okay. But Paul here wrote these words for a very specific purpose. And he tells us that purpose in the very next verse when he says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Paul knew that Timothy had this tendency to be afraid to speak of his faith in Jesus when given the opportunity. Paul knew that Timothy was timid, fearful. I mean, can you relate? I, I can. I know I've been in places and I've been with people where I, I've had opportunities and I was hesitant to share my faith in Jesus. I admit that maybe it was because I was afraid of being mocked. Maybe it was because I was afraid that somebody was going to ask me a question that I didn't know the answer to and I didn't want to look stupid. Maybe it was because 
I felt like I was going to somehow lose my social standing with the group I was with. I don't, I don't know what, what your reason for being fearful or timid, or timid is. I, I mean, honestly, I stand here today and tell you, I love Jesus. I love him, and I am overwhelmed by the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm overwhelmed by the good news of forgiveness that we have, an eternal life that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. That overwhelms me, and yet, I've had moments when I was quiet, when I had the opportunity to share. And I'm reminded God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity. In fact, Mark Twain penned these words, I, I, I think, impactfully. He said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you did not do than the ones you did do. So throw off your bow lines, sail away from safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. This is a great quote to teach our kids. It's a great quote when we think about considering the opportunities that we have to speak to others about Jesus Christ our Lord. And we learned last week, kicking off this series, the most common command in all of Scripture that we read is the command of do not fear. And this has always been the challenge. Do not fear. This has been the challenge throughout Scripture. This has been the challenge all the way from Bible times into our lives today. Do not fear. This is the story of, of Joshua leading the Israelites when God came and said, Joshua, do not fear. This is, this is a story of Isaiah to his people that we looked at last weekend when, when God came to Isaiah and said, do not be discouraged. Do not fear. This is the story of the angel who came and spoke to Jesus' own mother, Mary, when he came to her and said, Mary, Mary, don't be afraid. This is the story of Jesus to Peter. When Peter wanted to walk on the water next to Jesus, when he was afraid to get out of the boat, he was afraid of the waves, and Jesus told him, Peter, don't be fearful. This is the story of, of, of your call and my call to share our faith and trust in Jesus when Jesus tells us, do not fear, for I am with you. You know what's amazing? We have the benefit that Jesus isn't just with us. The Spirit of God is in us. He isn't just with us, he's in us. And when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit of God took up residence in your life. He's not just with you, he is in you. And this is important because that means three things for us, three things that Paul highlights to Timothy and he highlights to us today. He says, because of this, you have the Spirit of power living in you. The spirit of power, the word that Paul uses here for power is the English word that we use for dynamite. He's saying that you have God's explosive power living inside of you by his spirit. I recognize each one of us is different. Some of us are extroverts, some introverts. Some are eloquent in their speech, some not so eloquent. Some are comfortable sharing their faith, some aren't. I recognize that about us, but I tell you this, as Christ followers, we're all on level ground. Each one of us has God's Spirit that lives within each of us in equal amounts. 
sharing our faith in Jesus, I know it can be intimidating. But at times like that, I look at what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 2 when he said this, that talking about the Lord is not about superior wisdom, it's not about eloquent words, and it's not about persuasive arguments. The thing about Paul is he always kept the message of Christ simple. He never overcomplicated it. It's because he recognized what we need to recognize and remember that it was God's spirit in us that gave our words power. Power we don't possess in and of ourselves. We need him. It's also, though, God's spirit who opens up the hearts and the minds of people who hear. We don't have that power either. Our job is to live openly for Jesus and share the good news of Jesus as simply as we can. And then, and then we trust God's power to use us in amazing ways. We trust God's power to open up the ears and the hearts of the people who are hearing that. Fear has no place here. Timid, timidity has no place here. We are partners with God. He gives us the power to speak, and he gives others the power to hear. Well, Paul says there's another thing that comes with having the Spirit within you. Yes, you receive power, but he also says that you receive love. Love. Now, now love can be rejected, but love can't be dismissed. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are given a new set of eyes to see people differently, to see them the way that Jesus sees them. I love this story in, in Luke chapter 9. It's a story of the disciples who were with Jesus, and Jesus sends the disciples ahead to find a room for them to stay for the night. So they make their way to a Samaritan village. Well, the, Jew, uh, the, the disciples were Jews. And because they were Jews, the Samaritans turned them away, said, we don't have a place for you here. Well, that angered the disciples. They were, they were hot about this. They marched back to Jesus, and in their anger, they, they asked Jesus to rain fire down on this village, destroy them for this. Of course, Jesus didn't. But what, what I love is in the very next chapter of Luke, we see Jesus talking to a theologian, and he's talking to him about what love looks like and what it means to be a neighbor with someone. And Jesus shares a story that many of us have heard before. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. This cracks me up because I'm certain that Jesus only told that story for the disciples' benefit. Because they were there listening into the conversation. And it was almost like Jesus was telling this story not to talk to the theologian, but because he knew his guys were listening in and they needed to hear this story. So he shares the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and, and it's the story that speaks of what love looks like without boundaries, what love looks like without conditions, what love looks like with compassion. I wonder if in your circle of influence, the people that you have around you, I wonder if you've ever come in contact with someone, say, that might be difficult, 
fact, Pastor Dave used to call these people EGRs. That means extra grace required people. They're the ones that challenge us. They're the ones that maybe just don't care. And are the ones that even oppose God. And I tell you, as Christ followers, we are to view them with a new set of eyes. Eyes that will love the unlovable because we have been loved so much by God. Eyes that show grace to the unlovable because we have been sown so much grace by God ourselves. The most loving thing you could ever do in someone's life, ever, is to get beyond your fear, get beyond your timidity, and tell them about Jesus, your Lord. Tell them about what he's done in your life. Tell them how they can know him too. They may reject your love, but they can't dismiss it. Paul says you have the spirit of power. He says you have the spirit of love. And last thing he tells Timothy and he tells us is that we have the spirit of self-discipline, self-control, in a sound mind. What Paul's saying here to Timothy is that, look, God has given you the ability to think clearly, to be self-disciplined in the way you think. Well, how do we go about doing that? How do we go about becoming self-disciplined in the way we think? Well, sometimes it looks like remembering. It looks like remembering that we are to live and speak openly without shame about the Lord because Jesus told us to. This isn't our idea. This is his, and it's a command. We are to do this. Romans 10 tells us that, that people come to faith in Christ because they hear the good news. And how can they hear the good news if we don't tell them the good news? That's on us. That is our job. Remember that is a command. Tell others about your Lord. It's to... Do this, to remember that God has put people in your life who are ready to hear about Christ. There's a spiritual interest in every person's heart, whether they acknowledge it or not. Remember, it is our job to tell the people who are in our life about Jesus. It's to remember this. It's to remember to not be surprised when someone may reject or stand opposed to you. It's possible someone might say kindly, no, thank you, I don't want to hear it. It's possible someone might speak not so kindly and say, go away, you're crazy. Either way, it's okay because it is our responsibility to, to, to live our life for the Lord. It is our responsibility to love them and tell them it isn't our responsibility to open their hearts. That is God's responsibility. Don't forget that. It's to remember that we are to love people with a new set of eyes that he's given us. It's to remember that fear and timidity are never, are never from God. If you feel fear, if you feel timidity, rest assured that's the enemy's voice. That's not God's because he never uses those tactics. It's to remember that my faith, yes, it's incredibly personal, but it was never meant to be lived out privately. We are to live our faith out for others to see. So from Paul's words to Timothy and ultimately his words to you and I, don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Tell others about your Lord. Tell others what he has done in your life. 
tell others how they can know him too. Don't be afraid. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I'm overwhelmed that through your spirit that lives within us, Lord, that we have the, the strength, we have love, and that we have self-discipline, that you give us those things. Thank you, Lord. I recognize we could never do this on our own. And thank you for being responsible for opening the hearts and minds of other people. Thank you you don't put that on us either. And may, may we be, uh, or may we, may we take seriously this command to tell others about you, to share who you are with them. And may, Lord, that spirit of fear not be a part of this. Lord, thank you for loving us. We love you too. In your name I pray. Amen. You know, 